Hello and welcome to the podcast, where each week we're asking one of the artists who appeared at Hey 2021 to pick out their three favourite clips from our archive. This week it's the turn of artist, poet, rapper, singer and author Rufus Mufasa. Caleb Femi talks to Max Porter about his book Poor. There is nothing poor about this beautiful body of work. I am going to share some things with you from the talk, but I absolutely cannot uh, get, take the credit for these for these words. Um, this was what came up in the conversation. Uh, but this is a book about race and class issues and insights into childhoods, hybridity, literature is shape-shifting, language is in a failed state of communication, but we use it anyway, uses language through the autopsy on himself and the city that schooled him, thinking about your built environment, thinking about your community, the laws of the land and legislation shape your life or let you down, how the media interferes with your understanding of self and the world. Once I contributed the landscape of literature, this is a mental, personal and spiritual act. Mission is newness. The way we are experiencing the world is unique and new, so poetry needs to represent this. What are we gifting? What are we leaving behind? His poetry goes beyond poetry, camera and pen work are the same. Hybridity allows for honesty. Hybridity, how these men talk about hybridity it just fills me so full of so full of joy because I feel like through through my contemporaries I am finding finding my way with my own stuff uh, it is his gift to community past present and future this is for the eight-year-old boy in the photo in the book this is about manhood boyhood this is beyond history this is an exploration of the thin veil between real and imaginary in childhood reminds us not to let that child die while more seriously highlighting the death of young black men and boys this is a book full of ghosts and spirits. It's full of love and light and getting it right, right now. You know, I was explaining to someone today, I was ordering a load of copies of this in my local book center and I was explaining why I feel the way I do about this book. And it's hard to explain really, because it, 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 it makes me feel grateful in the way that discovering great literature makes me feel grateful in whatever form I discover it whether it's a kid's book when I was 10 years old or or a great novel I read last year or or you know a brilliantly insightful piece of journalism about whatever's going on in the world but right now as an English person the things that I think we should be discussing in this country class race poverty childhood welfare civic responsibility architecture masculinity sexuality they are all in this book for a book that is only 140 pages long there is an unbelievable amount in here so the first thing i wanted to ask you because i think we're just going to have a free chat and you're going to read a bit and we'll just we'll meander around first thing i want to ask you is how do you begin to decide how to assemble a collection like this because it is a poetry collection but it's also a hybrid it contains almost essay-like fragments, it contains lists, it contains dialogue, it contains photography, crucially. How did you decide that it needed to be a book? And was it always going to be a book? Because you have a big body of work that, as I say, spreads itself generously over forms. So talk to me about the decision 
to go with what is apparently an old-fashioned and conventional thing as the book? <laughs> um, I think language is is a a, a, a failed state of of communication. It's um it's an in, inadequate tool to convey exactly what it what it is you're feeling inside what you're feel um what it is you really truly want to say um but we use it anyway um and in poetry the work that we we do as poets is is one that is inherently um underlined by failure um and what i mean by that is when you are communicating a human condition um the most distilled form of an emotion um by the time you find by the time you translate it into language something is lost and it's never communicated in its uh, truest form so that was something that i i had to first of all accept um when trying to communicate essentially the 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 autopsy of 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 me and and the city in which i've grown up in um trying to communicate the 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 es- the essence in its most triple quadruple however much distilled form that we we experience um living not even necessarily living in in london but living in any city around the world um any major city that sort of lived experience that is is a cocktail of thinking about your built environment the community that you live in how the the laws and legislations um shape your life how the media um interferes with your understanding of the world and your understanding of of the self as well and how you navigate that and um and I, there's one thing if there's one, one mandate that I carry as a as a as a poet um is that I want to contribute to the landscape that has made me who I am today that has shaped me and made and and edified me on a physical but also on a mental and spiritual level poetry has done that i've i've stood on on the shoulders of of all the great writers um because we studied them in school or we discovered them in in the dark corners of our bedrooms or or in the library or in one place or the other um and and i always think what am i contributing to that landscape um everything that for example ts eliot has contributed by way of his his writing and the forms in which he he has helped um sort of uh cement in 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 the concreteness of 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 our lives as 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 writers what are you actually contributing and i felt like it needed i needed to to think about this as a as a as a mission of newness um and and within that i needed to also question what poetry looks like um and and i, I sort of subscribe to the idea that poetry exists beyond words naturally um beyond whatever packaging that we signify as as poetry um and if you're going to communicate especially in this 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 day and age that we live in it's such an interesting time to be a human because the way that we live and experience one another is is so 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 unique cuz no one no other generation has experienced the internet technology in the way that we are we are experiencing it so then how does the poetry that we write reflect that 
How does the work that we make speak of, of that? Um, why are we making work that um, is indistinguishable um, to Victorian poets <laughs> or to, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like we, we really need to, to make work that contributes and is, is expanding what it means to, to, um, to be a human being. So yeah, so I, I then took, I kind of then, then took everything that um, encapsulates poetry and, and that goes beyond just poet poems that looks at photography. I think the pen and, and, and the, the camera do very similar things and they're capturing a particular moment um, with a particular eye and, and therefore they both are, have the DNA of poetry within them. And then when you look at other forms of writing that we all, we, I don't know who has ostracized who, whether it's prose that's ostracized poetry or, or the other way around, but there is this separateness that I've grown up with experiencing where poetry is the DNA of it, of it all. Yeah. So um, why not tease that out a lot more and, 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 um, and see what you can do. So you begin, you talked about inadequacy and the failure of language. You begin with an acceptance that the, 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 the collection of poetry, as has been for the last 200 years, is, is, in, is, is, is not going to satisfy the, the, the emotional, spiritual and formal demands of your project. So you need to widen it out into hybridity. So you need to include yeah but also that that work can never be done the failure is inherent like it's a, yes and yeah and and that's not and to say that it, it's open-hearted in that regard it, 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 it it's failure is written into it the, the texture of the thing right i can yeah. never speak adequately about how beautiful this is or how painful this is or whatever exactly exactly um which the, is very the, beautiful very beautiful like provocation philosophically but it's also quite rare particularly in the brash, confident world of the, of the contemporary poet who seems to know everything and, and announces it in their language. Yeah. To say I, I don't, I'm vulnerable and here, there are holes. There yeah. are ghosts, there are holes, there are gaps, there is, you know, there is unknowing in this. It's, it's like your, your proposition is, is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is definitely to say I don't, I don't think all the works that have come before us are, are inadequate I, I, <laughs> and, and are failures in the sense of of the, of the words of the project that they have like embarked on it's more just for clarification's sake it's more about every single every single writer in the world has to sort of um live with that fact that whatever it is they they communicate in is is um never going to be a true conveying of of what it is they're trying to say yes do you think then like to just push you further on that then the, the hybridity of the project and, let, and let's talk like literally because they're, they're, like it's a hybrid in many different ways like there's a mythic and there's a realistic there's a kind of magic realism but there's also a kind of social documentary element to this book it does many things but let's just talk like physically that yeah. it contains poems it contains interviews and stuff but it also contains photographs do yeah. you think that that is for you as a creative being do you think yeah. that that's a way to tell the truth do you think it's a way of being more honest yeah photography as well because 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 it allows you a sort of representational movement or motion or dance type relationship to the what to the subject but yeah. if you just wrote about it, it wouldn't be available to you do you think it actually ha- do you think that sort of truth-seeking enterprise has to be reflected in the actual fabric of the of the form 
and in that gap like so the reader stops reads a poem is moved by the poem but then is moved totally differently yeah a totally different part of my brain is engaged by the image a totally different set of symbolic uh, you know like the architecture of the piece is suddenly totally shifted in a way that adds both to the poem and to the image Absolutely. So like in any hybridity it's not what a is and not what b is it's what happens to me in my movement from a to b absolutely yeah you you there's nothing to say to, uh, to add to that that is perfect that is that is what it is oh well good next question yeah no. <laughs> Oh, can we stop this? I mean, there's no point mucking around. We haven't got much time and there's a million things I want to talk to you about. And, you know, I hope I hope we both live a long time and can have these conversations that we've started elsewhere and they can carry on. But right now, we for the, for the audience at home, yeah, it's important to, 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 to describe what this is. And I, I, you, you've called it a love letter. If it is yeah. a love letter, who are you writing to? Who is this a gift? You know, you know, I, you know I worship at the altar of the gift literature as gift who is this gift for um it's it's a gift to to a, a community past present and and future it's a it's a gift to to my neighbors um who i grew up with and who who have shaped me uh growing up it's a it's a gift to a whole um community that is often marginalized or 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 they are reduced in in their existence and in their humanity. It's um it's for anyone who is interested in play, and I say that the play speaking specifically the imaginative play of of humanity, the the exploration, the playground of possibilities. What what do people look like? What do their lives look like? Um, what could their life look like as well? Um, it's it's for a future community who want to look back and understand or, or get a strong sense of how people lived um, in 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 2020 or, or around whatever they decide to call this period of, of time. Um, they might call it the Corona era, for example. Um, in the same way that I can, you know, growing up, you read a, a Charles Dickens novel and and you get this strong sense of that community that mm. that. Um, that he, he, he was writing about that existed beyond the history books and beyond everything else, you know. Kayo Chingoni, the first poet to win the Dylan Thomas Prize for Kumakanda. This beautiful podcast is introduced by John Gower. He starts the podcast and thanking all the people that have been part of his journey, people who believed in his work, believed poetry was an option. He talks of language, idiolects we speak in our own homes with family and friends, Bemba of the Banto family always present, this thread that holds its energy even when writing in the English language. Today you are Larry Levan, King of Kings Street. His understanding of the relationship between language and memory with music just changed my entire world of my own understanding of my own writing and artistry. And he gave me such a permission to say my own story, explain my own journey, my own initiation ceremonies and rites of passage as a woman, mother, girl, survivor. And this book has been my most used workshop tool when working with men in Park Prison. And the work it inspired them to write in response was what cemented my belief in the true power of poetry. Kayo Chingoni is a 
powerhouse of poetry. You were uh, born in Zambia in 1987, um, but you moved uh, to the UK when you were six years old. Do you have vestigial memory of language as you were growing up? I think mine, as might be true of a number of people in the audience, was a multilingual household. And I think languages are very interesting in the sense that there are kinds of very particular idiolects that we speak in our own homes, which are, you know, we have particular words. Paul Muldoon has that poem, Kruf, which is about a very particular family word. And I think we have our own family words and our language as a family. But then for me, there were other languages besides English in my family home. So they were always there. Um, did I always speak them fluently? Perhaps not, but they were always there and they felt familiar. And my feeling at home is being in a space where multiple languages are spoken, and that is a normal thing. So um, the languages were always there, whether it was um, on the phone or uh, my aunt and uncle speaking amongst themselves and thinking that I didn't fully understand what they were saying when sometimes I did. Um, so, you know, the, the language that I was first speaking when I started speaking was Bemba, and that has been a through line in my life, um, though English is the language I express myself in and write in. Um, that language has always been there. And Bemba belongs to the Bantu family of languages, and in northwest Zambia, it seems to me there's a panoply of different tribes and different languages. It's a bit of a linguistic soup, really. Mm, there's a lot of... Um, there's a rich and varied linguistic culture in Zambia. Um, but especially in the Northwest, because I, s I suppose Zambia is a Central African place. It's bordered by a number of different nations. So if you go south, there's a different kind of a culture by the border. And in the Northwest, the border is Angola. So there is a number of, of traditions and family heritages spread across into Angola. And that also impacts um, the culture and language, and also on, on the other side of my family, uh, DRC is, is the country we border with, and there's a kind of heritage that comes from there. Uh, we like to joke that my uncle Paul is a, is a very Congolese man, because uh, in Congolese culture, the men have like a very snappy way of dressing. And my uncle Paul, without fail, in any family photograph, will be the person that has his hat slightly askew, or is... is um, is showing off some socks that he's wearing or something. And we like to think of that as a, a kind of uh, Congolese heritage. Um, there is uh, a musicality to poetry. Uh, it's an innate uh, musicality. But in your uh, poetry, there's not a lot of overt references to music. And maybe mm. to uh, sample the collection, we can mm. start with maybe the, the opening poem. Sure, of course. Um, this poem is called The Color of James Brown's Scream. I have known you by many names, but today you are Larry Levan, your hand on the platter in the smoky room of a garage regular's memory. You are keeping when doves cry in time as you swing your hips and sweat drips from your hair the color of James Brown's scream. King of King Street, we're still moving to the same sound, though some of us don't know it is your grave we dance on, cutting shapes, machismo lost to the beat. 
Every roadman is a sweet boy if the DJ plays heartbroken at just the right time for these jaded feet. Teach us to shapeshift, Legba. You must know I'd know your customary shuffle, that phantom limp anywhere, that I see your hand in the abandon of a couple middle of the floor, sliding quick and slick as a skin fade by the hand of a Puerto Rican clipper man who wields a cutthroat like a paintbrush. Let us become like them, an ode tonight, ordering beer in a corporeal language from a barman who replies by sweeping his arms in an arc, Willy Ninja style. To fix a drink our lips will yearn for, a taste we've been trying to recreate ever since. Um, just our poem name, name checks uh, James Brown references Prince there's a reference to Larry Levan who is mm. a New, New York DJ I only knew that because I heard you explain that some time ago because I don't know my New York DJs mm. um, and growing up uh, music is obviously a huge source of inspiration to you and you weren't getting it through the, the big radio stations from uh, the big uh, corporate record companies, but rather through pirate stations mm. and mixtapes. It was a DIY music culture. Mm. There was, I think, um, a very particular musical culture that I was able to access because I was born when I was born and I lived through a time of lots of change in terms of how music was consumed. Um, I think around the time I was born, CDs has, had started to become the popular mode but then vinyl records were still around, cassette tapes were still around, and then in my childhood and into my teens, it was cassette tapes that really took hold of us because they were so readily accessible to us, and they were a way for us to have the music that we loved, which was mostly on pirate radio, um, and to listen to it, because that stuff at that point wasn't being released on CD, for example. Um, and then the vinyl records were inaccessible to us because vinyl is expensive and we were kids trying to make our pocket money stretch, you know? Um, so You were making your pocket money stretch by stealing your mother's <laughs> sets and adapting them so you could actually record well, over them. Well, I mean, I tried to do that a couple of times, but she cottoned on to it and wasn't best pleased. Um, so cassette tapes were a nice way for me to have my own and build up my own collection, recording from the radio. Um, and to do so cheaply, I suppose, and then to have this collection of my own making, uh, this mixtape, with me at all times, and, and to listen to it. Um, it. It was a really special way to get to know music. But making the mixtape, because there is a poem which pretty much explains the skill necessary, and part of it is to make sure there aren't any gaps between mm. the songs. Um, and that splicing together... Um, now happens in the music itself, in sampling mm. and so on. I think there is um, the artistry of it, the hands-on aspect of it is what I loved about making mixtapes in that way. And I think that feeds into my being interested in DJing with vinyl later in my life. Because if you're DJing a party, it's that same idea of providing a seamless transition between songs. Or if not seamless, a transition which makes some kind of sense. 
Um, and if you're making tapes for yourself, you had to find a way of making a sensible transition from one song to another. Um, and so that level of kind of creativity in putting the thing together is what really struck me about it early on and what made me obsess over making these mixtapes for myself and for other people um, late into the evening uh, when I was supposed to be asleep. <laughs> um, I suppose the assembly of this is a sort of mixtape. You've mm. got a, a bunch of poems and you have to select them and put them into mm. a particular order. Um, how did you arrange material? So there are, I think, 42 poems in the book. And in an earlier version, there was, I think, more, more poems. And it was really through talking with my editor that the, the, the book took the shape that it took. My editor's name is Parisa Ebrahimi. Um, and I think one of her gifts as an editor is to find the ways in which a particular book um, finds its best shape. Um, and so. She asked me some very difficult questions about the book, which allowed me to, to shape it in this particular way. And, and we worked through a number of different versions of the finished poems. Um, and just as we were kind of happy in one version, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is, the, this is the book. This thing is finished. It's done. That's when she would say, well, you know, what if we, what if we go back to this? Let, give, let, what do you think about this version? What if you put this poem here next to this poem? because it's a less obvious transition than the transition we have at the moment. And those kinds of questions were very reminiscent of that process of, of putting together uh, a collection of different songs and helping those songs collect and be a cohesive whole at the same time as they were individual pieces. Um, and I really, that process, talking with Parisa about the book, is what taught me what a book of poetry is supposed to be, how it moves. Um, how you write poems with that movement in mind. Um, the title, Kumakanda, is a reference to initiation rites uh, that young men uh, go through in northwest uh, Zambia. Um, maybe if we read the poem, mm. that'll lead us into finding out a bit more about those rites and then the rites of passage in the, in the book. Sure. Kumakanda. Since I haven't danced among my fellow initiates, following a looped procession from woods at the edge of a village. Tatters people would think me unfinished, a child who never sloughed off the childish estate. To cross the river boys of our tribe must cross in order to die and come back grown. I was raised in a strange land by small increments, when I bathed my mother the days she was too weak. When auntie broke the news and I chose a yellow suit and white shoes to dress my mother's body at the graveside. When the man I almost grew to call dad, though we both needed a hug, shook my hand. If my alternate self who never left could see me, what would he make of these literary pretensions? This need to speak with a tongue that isn't mine. Would he be strange to me as I to him, frowning as he greets me in the language of my father and my father's father, 
and my father's father's father. Meredith Hopwood dives into what is language. Language is the blood of the soul, more than words, more than music. Languages have a tune, breath control, your body even plays a part. Paints new pictures with old words. Languages are musical instruments. Two languages are two windows on the world. Welsh language reminds us of the transience of the material. Subjunctive is evident in Spanish. Mary Stimble demands that we visualise the foxglove differently. Bord mawr a oes heddo and in that moment broke me down me hiding stress ironing in the trenches of the pandemic being so grateful for this moment with Meredith beyond thankful that the Hay Festival found a way to keep us connected a way to inspire these messages of hope in digital bottles washing up on my island of isolation knee deep in domestic duty and I would never have believed you in that moment stress ironing in with my reddit hotbud speaking my language soothing my soul that weeks later we would be collaborating that I would find the words to show you my spiritual journey with the Welsh language how this this language would make motherhood magic and exactly a year later to the date I would release my debut poetry collection Flashbacks and Flowers and it would be for sale in the Hay Festival 2021's bookshop and I would be introducing 2021's The Anthea Bear Lecture for Gillian Clark. Thank you Hay. What you are doing changes lives. Listening to this comprehensive archive could quite possibly change the world, Dior. I'm not going to swim down the History Channel. I don't have the right kit. For me, as a non-historian, that would certainly mean full life jacket and snorkel. We know one of the beaches where that journey begins, that infamous entry in the old Encyclopedia Britannica, which read, for Wales, see England. No, I'm going to paddle in the language pool where I'm a bit more comfortable. But oh, I miss the sea. Do you? Some of you can reach it. Lucky dabs. Is it consolation to remember that my mother has a certificate in dry land swimming, which saw her on a stool in a hall in a college in Bangor going through the various strokes? Well, let's suppose it is. And so with pretend goggles, let's start and we look first at that thing we call language. What is it? Go on, have a think. From having asked this to myself and my students often, experience tells me that some of you at least are formulating answers such as it's a tool for communication or perhaps it's a system of communication. Yeah, okay. So what does the tool, the system look like? And though just those two ideas are already quite different things, tool, system, here somewhere in the mix, you're probably thinking words. Language is words. Now, before we go further, it's only fair that I should tell you that defining language is a hugely difficult task if you haven't tried it before. We use it every day, Yet we don't seem to know what it is. We all talk with it, but only a few talk about it. And even here in Wales, where many of us talk quite a lot about it, we don't seem to stop to ask, so what is it? 
The scientists, biologists, linguists, sociologists, philosophers have all struggled with this and perplexed. I have almost given up on the ists and the ers. I even tried the poets. For Waldo Williams, language, the Welsh language at least, is the daughter of danger. For Gerallt Lloyd Owen, she is an uneasy force in the mountains. Miguel de Unamuno, Bilbao-born poet, yes, but probably more philosopher than poet, discuss, said, la lengua es la sangre del alma, el vehículo de las ideas. Language is the blood of the soul, the vehicle of ideas. And when we stop to really think about it, we know that language is much more than words. I mean, before the words comes the music, the babbling. Every language has its own tune, though the tune, of course, is regional variations, sometimes quite remarkable variations. But you know what I mean. If I were to say like this, me amo Mererit Hopwood, yes, do I muy contenta de estar aquí con vosotros hoy? You would know that something wasn't quite right. It's correct Spanish, words, grammar even, but the wrong tune. It's on the Welsh tune. The Spanish tune would be something like, me amo Mererit, y estoy muy contenta de estar aquí con vosotros hoy. Or let's turn to German. Ich heiße Meredith Hopwood und es freut mich außerordentlich heute mit euch zu sein. Words, grammar and, and German grammar is not the most straightforward. All fine. Wrong tune. Better. Ich heiße Meredith und es freut mich außerordentlich heute mit euch zu sein. I shan't dare give you my English example. Because for me at least, it's really difficult to do the English, English thing. I know the trick. It's to stop moving your lips. I mean, think of the inverse. Any English person who's learning Welsh knows that unless your jaw hurts by the end of the lesson, you're not doing it properly. And if language has a musical element, then it also has a physical one. And here, I'm not talking about only sign language, which we can all recognize depends heavily on the body, but so does spoken language. Of course it does. It calls for the controlling of breath, lips, tongue, mouth, and, and much more. Suppose we could say that these are some of the things all languages have in common, part of the set of properties of what we might call language. Fine. Yet we know that there is a whole other set of properties that account for our different languages, the things that make the differences. Returning to Unamuno, could we borrow his idea about the vehicle perhaps and say then that all languages have a common engine, but they power different models. And while one of the most obvious design features of the different models are the different words, here, a note of caution. They're not, they're often not as different as they may seem. One of the great joys of studying language, languages, is discovering the common roots of words. Take, for example, the vast family of the Indo-European languages, where we can break the lockdown without breaking the rules and cross countries and continents just by tweaking a consonant here or there. Three in Wales, three in England, trois, we've made it to France, tres to Spain, drei to Germany, trias, to Sanskrit, to India. 
or let's swap gwa in Welsh for wa for va and watch us hop from gweddu to widow to la veuve, biuda, vitva, bilhava, all the way to the east, where we have punch ab and back here in the west, pimp av on five rivers in Welsh. So what about grammar? Well, there's not enough time really to play the whole mechanic thing here. But with grammar, if we're not under the bonnet with the shared common engine, and there's a lot of controversy about that notion, we must be at least on the inside of the vehicle, behind the steering wheel, holding on to the gear stick. Just pause to think about just this one thing that grammar can let us do, namely, to distinguish between verb, subject and object, who's doing what to whom, and how that device differs from language to language. In English, it's word order, very sleek piece of kit. A man saw a dog, a dog saw a man. We know unambiguously who's doing what to whom just by the order. In German, we modify the indefinite article, that A word, ein Mann sah einen Hund, ein Hund sah einen Mann, or even einen Hund sah einen Mann and einen Mann, einen Mann sah einen Hund. It's not so much the order, but the expression of the accusative case, that ein, here it is, excuse the props, becoming einen. In Welsh, we generally change the order, but crucially, we mutate the beginning of the word. This is chic. Gwelodd dyn gi, gwelodd ki ddyn. The dyn becoming ddyn and ki becoming gi, depending on who's doing what. So yes, this thing called language is words, is music, is grammar, is communication, and its meaning, it transacts, it conveys, it suggests, and listen to this, it imagines. It thinks. Because there is a relationship, isn't there, between language and thought. Can you think without language? Yes. What about the baby toddler? And beyond the babies, consider how, as adults, the time we have had new thoughts and found it difficult to put them into language. The times when we've had to push the boundaries of the language we usually use and grapple to formulate new sentences, to paint new pictures with the old words. But those are more rare occasions. The occasions, dare I say, that sometimes bring the poems. And on the whole, we toodle along within the same old boundaries, with the language we have somehow determining the thoughts we think. As Wittgenstein put it, die Grenzen meiner Sprache bedeuten die Grenzen meiner Welt. The boundaries of my language mean the boundaries of my world. Bedeuten is a difficult word to translate. If you're really interested in thinking more about this what is language question, then I can recommend Charles Taylor's fascinating book, The Language Animal. And one of the images discussed in it is how a word in a language is like a note on a musical instrument in that it depends on the reverberations it causes throughout the whole instrument for its being. So holding that, what I'd like to do now is to invite you to think about language in the context of a bi or multilingual mind. And quite soon we see that having two languages is not simply a case of having 
two sets of labels for the same set of things, which is perhaps what a monolingual mindset has tended to persuade us to believe. After all, I can use seat and chair, two labels for the same thing in the same language. Adding kadair, la chaise, la silla, der stool, and so on is not what it's about. No, having two languages is more like having two different sets, not of labels, but of things. Or at least two windows on the world where each window offers a different perspective, a different view, where different things become apparent. Let's take some examples to illustrate this point. So in Welsh, we don't say, I have something. This is not a concept for us. We don't express the relationship between us and things in this subject-verb-object way. That's not our view on possession. Instead of I have X, we say X is with me. My X gadavi, my geni X. I can't say I have a Porsche in Welsh, or in any language for that matter. I, I have to add that every time. I can only say there is a car with me. And being biased, I feel that this is rather an enlightened view. The Welsh language seems to remind us of the transience of the material. These things are just with us for now. Thanks for listening. The Hay Festival podcast is brought to you by Bailey Gifford Investment Managers. And you can hear thousands of other recordings over on the Hay Player on our website.